0: Like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top. Shoemaker's great grab. Across the ground. Bam! Here comes Donnie Wilmore. Got it out to a kick. Oh. Kick's smothered. it. Check. Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50. McGovern. McGovern. What a player. To be in perfect The Premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers, premiers. The 2006. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone. Welcome to the Big Footy Eagles podcast. The season's return is finally upon us with the Eagles taking on the Gold Coast Suns in round two action this weekend. So this week on the show, we will of course preview that game in full, but we're also talking Dean Cox in the Hall of Fame, we're talking WA Hubs, and we're bringing you all the latest West Coast Eagles news that you need to know before the season returns. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and I am joined this week by a podcast debutant from Big Footy. Please welcome to the show, Squashface. How are you? Hello, Badge. Cheers to have me. I'm great. Yeah, good to be on the pod finally. I'm a long-time listener. So yeah, I it was good. Let's get into it. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Look, Squash, given that it is your first time on the pod, I thought before we, we dive into everything, just to get the listeners a bit more familiar with you, perhaps I thought we could just do sort of a, a get-to-know-you style segment, get to know the man behind the username a bit. So first off, do you want to take us through, what is it exactly that made you become an Eagles fan in the first place? I think it was probably just
1: simplicity of it, because as a young kid, um, getting into footy, I was... Looking up to my dad who um, loved footy, and I asked him, oh, like, who do you support? He told me Essendon, sadly. I asked him, why? We live in WA, they live in Melbourne. And he goes, well, because there was no WA teams at the time. And I go, oh, all right then. There's WA teams now. I'll go for one. Which ones are there? He tells me West Coast. He tells me Fremantle. I go with the one that I like the colours of more, the glorious blue and gold. And I think i preferred an eagle to an anchor. So, yeah,
0: simplicity. A great choice in the end. I think history sort of proven you uh, made the correct call on that one. You've been an I Eagles agree. fan for a while. A favourite player in that time period or maybe a favourite player in the squad now?
1: I'll go with current player to keep it um, up to date. Probably probably Lewis Jetta to be honest. There was all the, the talk of when he came back of how he wasn't that good. And I just enjoyed his, his rise back up to fame.
0: Best kick in the comp, in my opinion. And yeah, silky boy. Number one silky boy, Lewis Jetta. Lastly, Squash, before we dive into the pod, what is your favorite memory as an Eagles fan? I'll stay away
1: from the, the grand finals and the embarrassing port and Melbourne and all that. <laughs> um, but yeah, probably probably Prid winning the brown That was a good moment. Just It was surprising. It was uh, good, some good troll value. And it was just good to see in a year we weren't that good. We've got a Brownlee medalist out of it.
0: Absolutely. Good content in that. Hopefully good content in the podcast to come. Squash, I'll be back with you in just a moment, but first I'm going to do the usual begging Uh, If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can reach us through Big Footy. You can sign up for free, talk all things Eagles with us throughout the season. You can also reach us on Twitter at WCEBFpod. And as always, any ratings, any subscriptions, any reviews, anything like that through iTunes, we would really appreciate it before we get into the 2020 season proper. All right, Squash, we'll move along with the show and we'll get into the first news story. It's not even a news story of this week. It's, in fact, last week's news. Uh, Dean Cox joining the Hall of Fame or being elevated into the Hall of Fame last week. He joins Ross Glendening, Glenn Jakovich, Dean Kemp, Peter Matera and Guy McKenna as the Eagles players in the Hall of Fame. Now, Squash, obviously, he's an icon of the club. He holds the game's record, premiership, best and fairest, all Australians. He's got it all. Do you think he's a worthy member of the Hall of Fame? And, and take us through some of your greatest Dean Cox memories.
1: Oh, absolutely worth the Hall of Fame. He revolutionized the rock position. He was pretty much an extra mid. Um, everyone knows how good how good Dean Cox was. We saw moments like him down in Tassie putting North on their ass. Um, but it does stick in the memory of when he pinged JK in the eye with a tennis ball. <laughs> yeah. Almost blinded the
0: bloke. Um, yeah. Pretty much that, yeah, it's a, just a giant of the comp, I reckon. Yeah, that image of him as well, it's a, it's an easy one, I suppose, to go to, but the final ruck tap of the 2006 Grand Final, him him jumping around like a lunatic at the end, it was fantastic yeah, the to see. Yeah, celebration. Yeah, he was always, like you said, look, he's on the ball because he wasn't just a ruckman, he was he was that extra midfielder, and you, you got to see a lot of him over the 13, 14-year career. Uh, speaking of that 06 team, we've got some guys that... You know his teammates from that era that I think are, are some worthy chances to go into the Hall of Fame themselves. You've got your Judds, Kers, potentially Cousins, although that raises an interesting off-field discussion, which we might leave for the while. But with, of those guys, and then also I'd like to throw Darren Glass's name into there as one of the 06 premiers, do you think we'll see, or more specifically, how many, I suppose, of those cohort do you think we will see elevated into the Hall of Fame alongside Dean Cox?
1: I think we'll definitely get at least... Judd and Glass, I would say. Um, I would hope Kerr, but again, I'm not entirely sure that they'll, that he'll get in. Maybe eventually. Obviously, the cousin stuff that you, you said, we'll leave that. But um, I think Glass would be my most favourite to get in, just the way he led us through that dark
0: time. Down Glass would be my favourite to get in, but yeah, Judd will definitely get in as well. Yeah, Glass is an interesting one. Judd's obviously a slam dunk. For Kerr... It's harder for Kerr to differentiate himself from your Brisbane mids, your Geelong mids, and then more recently maybe the Hawthorne mids if you're looking at those elite midfield or those elite premiership winning groups. I can see how somebody like Kerr might sort of fall by the wayside. Glass, I think he has to beat Scarlett. And that's pretty much it. Sort of Fletcher, I suppose, as well. But those were the preeminent defenders throughout that period um, and, and th- through to his retirement. So, yeah, I agree with you. I hope Glassy goes in, and I'd absolutely love it if he went in. Juddy slam dunk. And, uh, yeah, Ben Cousins, that's another whole episode, so we'll leave that one for now. We'll move on in the news. Uh, a big news story this week from Ryan Daniels, my boy. I've been pumping him up all week. He just always gets the scoops, no frills, just delivers news, and he's done it again. The AFL are considering having a WA-based hub uh, in the near future for this season. So you'd see four Victorian clubs arrive in WA and, and be quarantined from the general public, but still able to play games amongst themselves in that time. Then the Eagles and the Dockers, they'd play a derby uh, on those weeks and then eventually start playing some games against Victorian sides at Optus Stadium. So, Squash, what do you make of that news? How big of a benefit or how big of a boost could that be to the Eagles?
1: Well, yeah, it seems like it's all in place now. Um I didn't think we'd have any chance of having a hub a few days ago, but yeah, seems like it's all happening. Um, it can only be an advantage, I would say. I don't see how it could be bad for us. Um, minimizes travel, minimizes kilometers, and that lets us feel like, uh, you know, some unspecified Victorian clubs that get to enjoy the non-travel element throughout the season. Yeah, I don't think we'll see a Collingwood or a Hawthorne here, but at the end of the day, it probably doesn't really matter in the whole scheme of things that we just get to travel, we have no fears of the MCG for later in the season. Whether that becomes a hub later on as well, whether it goes back to FIFO, we can't really tell at this point. But I am excited for it. To get some consistent games over here should be good.
0: It would be massive. It would be unique in a degree in that it's something that the Eagles don't historically do, You know, spend long periods of time without travelling. They do get a bit of experience with it in the Gold Coast hub as it currently exists, but to do it at home... Uh, Optus, and and indeed just in your own family home, you know, being able to see your family again, being able to just do what you want to do and not have to be confined to hotel-style living. It could be a massive boost. So the way it would work, you'd see Vic clubs playing each other in round six and seven, and potentially the Eagles and Dockers stay in Queensland for another week, and then come back and play a derby in round seven. Then it all opens up, and it's just, yeah, it's open slather, like you said. I don't think we'll see Richmond, I don't think we'll see Hawthorne, I don't think we'll see Collingwood, but We might. All clubs can only play each other once, so the AFL's hands might be tied with the fixturing a little bit. We'll wait and see how it looks. It seems all but certain that it's going to happen, and I think it's going to be a massive boost for the prospect of an Eagles flag this year. Now, while we're talking about the flag, it's a question that's flown around a bit, and we've touched on it here and there in the past. The closer we get to the season, the more information we get. I think it, it is valid to raise it again. On the Premiership this year, Squash, do you think there's going to be an asterisk... On it Now that we're seeing so many little hubs develop and shorten seasons, shortened quarters, the traditional fly-in, fly-out footy seems to be going by the wayside, at least for the first half of the fixture. So how do you think that's going to impact people's long-term view when they look back on this season?
1: I think there'll be an asterisk, but it's not going to be in the sense that it's not an earned premiership. I think it's just going to be a season of we're not really sure what we're doing, kind of that um, it's different as hubs. There's We've changed the, the fixture after one round. It's all a bit messy. I know several clubs have been quoted to say that they think it's going to be worth more than a normal premiership, which is probably fair because of all the things that the club's going to have to do to get there, especially West Australian and South Australian clubs having to hub it up. But personally, me, I don't think it's going to be worth any less.
0: And yeah. Yeah, the way I look at it, it's sort of like... a. A lockout shortened season, which is something you see a lot—not a lot, but you see often enough—in American sport. Uh, the NBA, for example, had a locked-out season uh, ahead of, I think it was 2012, like the 2011-12 season. Uh, it was shortened down because of contract disputes and collective bargaining disputes. But ultimately, as it as it went on, you know, you still had a championship given. It's still a championship that is looked back as a legitimate one. I think that was one of the ones that. LeBron and the Heat one, so it still counts in the history books. Nobody really puts an asterisk because the season was shortened. Uh, So, look, I agree that everything is up in the air, everything's being made on the fly. It might not affect all teams equally, but I think, as we can see, given the fact they're potentially willing to do a WA hub, they are trying to balance the playing field and make it as level as they can uh, as it relates to this ongoing fixturing situation. So, yeah, look, I'm with you. I think. There might be an asterisk, but more, more, more a point of interest rather than a delegitimising of the eventual Premier.
1: Well, yeah, I think um, they're always going to be the, the flog punter that's going to say, oh, they don't deserve it because this happened and this happened. But I think the fact that it's been talked about so much, especially in the media, is that no one's going to try delegitimise it for the club that wins it, no matter who it is. So,
0: yeah. No matter who it is, of course, it will be the West Coast Eagles. Now, we can move along to the injury report now as we turn our attention to round two, the resumption of footy, the stuff that actually matters. We no longer have to just speculate and analyse the media and analyse all bloody power rankings, redrafting, jerseys. Forget it. Footy's back. So, uh, by and large, the Eagles are healthy going into round two. It's a great position to be in. We've had an update from the club today. Mark Hutchings has had knee surgery. Seems like a minor knee surgery. And he won't be available for the duration of the hubs. He's, they haven't given us exact time frames that I could see. But the general tone was that it'll take a few weeks for him to get back to the main group. Jared Cameron, likewise. He had a groin issue at the start of the season. Way back in round one. They had it as a six-week injury. But the club have still said that they're managing him. And we probably won't expect to see him uh, on the field for a while as well. So put a line through those two guys. Beyond that, the rest of the senior side seems quite healthy. There's a couple of question marks lingering around some kids, uh, around some young young players or rookie listed players, but from a senior perspective, it seems to just be Hutchings and Cameron that aren't available. So, just quickly going through those kids, we've had Jermaine Jones, he's working through an ankle issue. He played some game or he played some time in the match simulation last week, so he should be tracking back to rejoining training soon. Nick Reid, a standout in the waffle last year. Hamstring injury for him, but again, returning to training quite shortly. The only other main one is Mitch O'Neill, who's got a lower back stress injury is what they're calling it. He's stayed in Tasmania while the rest of the group have gone to Queensland because he's just going to rehab at a very low intensity there. We might be a fair while off seeing Mitch O'Neill, but given that there's no waffle and given the state of our midfield... I doubt we probably would have seen too much of Mitch O'Neill uh, at a senior's capacity this year anyway. So with all that said, squash, we appear to have essentially our pick of a full list here as we head into round two. How much of a benefit is that going to be? And can you recall a time that the club's been this healthy going into the start of a season? No,
1: well, it's a strange situation, isn't it, that um, that all this lockdown stuff and the season postponing has happened because it's, it's given almost every club an opportunity to, to get a fit list going into the season. Like, for example with with Cameron we weren't expecting to see him for for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks but now it's round 2 and he's back in full training not ready to play yet but he's back in full training so it's exciting to be able to go into into round 2 with with the best 22 and yeah we hopefully we get Cameron back in soon because he's probably the Rioli replacement you would say for this season
0: so yeah <laughs> Well, round two is upon us. The West Coast Eagles face the Gold Coast Suns at Metricon Stadium, our new home away from home. It's this Saturday, 5.40pm WA time. And squash, on paper, this looks like it could be a pretty one-sided affair. You've got a club that is flying and and predicted to be a premiership threat at the very least uh, in the Eagles. And then, of course, you've got the Gold Coast Suns who find themselves in a familiar position, 18th on the ladder. They were soundly beaten by Port Adelaide, way back in round one and the Eagles of course came off a pretty cruisy but you know, not not super remarkable. A fairly cruisy victory against Melbourne in sort of unique circumstances given that they knew the season was off. So with all that said, it could be a blowout. Some might say it should be a blowout but there's plenty of factors in this that are up in the air such as the long layoff, such as having in the Gold Coast for the first time. So Squash, what do you make of this round two clash? I think it's a pretty
1: even playing field to be honest. I don't I know that it's much publicised that Gold Coast aren't the best team, um, but there's so much unknown going into into this round two. We're we're living in Gold Coast now. we even though it's the start of the hub, how is that going to affect the players' mindsets? Not being with their families and and knowing they're not going to be with their families for for this extended period, there'll be rust all across the board, our side, their side. Um, I do think we will win, but it's not going to be a be an absolute flogging. Yeah, I don't think conditions I've heard it's going to be raining in Gold Coast on the Saturday so see how we go with that but traditionally not the best team in the wet yeah not expecting a whole heap from Tim Kelly for example um I was happy with him in round one but he didn't get amazing numbers and I don't think we get amazing numbers this week either that's all right we've seen that it can take players a while to to get used to new systems like you look at Jack Redden he'd Remember his first game for us, he played quite well, and then he fell off a cliff for a few seasons. So we won't see that with Kelly, I don't think. But um, it can take players a while. Who else is getting around? I think we should see a big game from Darling. I think it's it's time that he continues his form from early 2018, 2019, whatever it was. It was great. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I do think he'll win. I think it'll be a good win, but not a fantastic win, but. It will also be a rusty win.
0: Yeah, on that rust, look, I touched on that round one game against Melbourne. Uh, I went and rewatched that over the last couple of days and it was in strange circumstance because, if you recall, the AFL, prior to bounce down, had announced that the season was being put on hiatus. So the Eagles players, the Melbourne players, they knew that it was the last hit out for a while. Nobody really knew for sure that the season would come back, but you had this situation where, what, you know, what if I get hurt playing for a meaningless game or do I go all out because this is our last game in a while? It it was a very unique situation for a game. And with that, you did see a lot of rust, like you mentioned. It was a round one game anyway, so you've got that. But there was a lot of jogging. There was a lot of players that were shoulder to shoulder at a contest. And then one kick later, suddenly you see Liam Ryan pop up 50 metres downfield and his opponent is nowhere near him. Or vice versa, you know, uh, Langdon out on the wing for Melbourne. I think he had 30, 31 touches, something like that. Nobody was anywhere near him half the time. So... It it seems like it's going to be the sort of game that is decided on work rate and on effort uh, and on the ability to sort of keep your head on the task and stay focused on the job at hand, which I think should benefit us given the maturity, I would hope, Squash is in our group versus perhaps a young Gold Coast side.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think um, with that maturity, we we might see a a flip of what you described in round one of um, just jogging around and stuff because it's already announced that the season's on hold, whereas... This season, we're back onto it. These players could be absolutely raring to go and we could see them just hitting contest hard and just being so keen to be out there. So we could see it as a real backflip to what we saw in round one, I think.
0: Now, having a bit of a breakdown line by line, I suppose, we don't have a lot of data to work on, seeing as that there is just one game from this season. Um, but, of course, these trends are pretty accurate historically as well, particularly as they relate to the Eagles. The first one that I thought, squash, we'd talk about is the forward 50 efficiency. This is where there is an absolutely startling difference between the sides. I think it's the biggest difference on paper between the two outfits. So you look at the round one figures, the Eagles went inside 50 35 times and they kicked 12 goals. Gold Coast went inside 31 times, so not a great difference there. You know, 35 versus 31, but they only finished with four goals five for the day. Nine scoring shots in total throughout all of that. Then you flip it to the other side of the field. The Eagles have always given up a decent amount of inside 50s, um, but repel them quite efficiently with your Hearns and McGoverns, Barassas, all this sort of stuff. Uh, Melbourne went inside 50 45 times, which is pretty solid effort, and certainly the back line held up well on the day. If you flip it to the Gold Coast and you look at their game against Port, Port went inside 50 62 times in that game, and you have to keep in mind these are shortened games. So 62 times in a shortened game, if you expand that out to a normal 20-minute quarter, Port Adelaide were on pace to go inside 50 77 times in a game, which is the sixth highest tally ever recorded. It was an absolute drubbing, and whilst maybe not reflected on the scoreboard as much as you'd think, 47 points, big win, but it's not a historical blowout by any stretch, that pace going inside 50... The Gold Coast defense is susceptible to being absolutely bombarded all day. And given squash that we've got such an efficient forward line ourselves, that is where I think the hope comes into it that we could see a blowout.
1: Yeah, that's true. And it's just, I mean, you look at, look at our forwards. Like we've got JK, if he's fit, he's there. We've got Darling, we've got Ryan, we've got Cripps. When you look at Gold Coast's forward line, I couldn't tell you one of their forwards apart from Sexton, really. Like, they don't really have anyone, unless what's his name, King, unless they get him up and about. But I just don't see where they're going to get any scoring power from, and then if our defenders can get on top of Sexton pretty much, then they have just full ability to rebound quite easily, uh, send it through our supposed absolutely amazing midfielder we've got these days, the, uh, what do they call it, the Kelly Gang? Send it through that, and just, yeah, into our forwards. So, it does have the potential of a blowout, but it is too hard to take that, all that into account and make an easy decision like that when it's such a strange situation. But yeah, it could be a blowout. I'd like to see it be a blowout. I'd like to see Darlan kick 10.
0: Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, we would love a blowout, but maybe not predicting it, certainly not expecting it as such as, as any sort of minimum, but something to watch. I think, yeah, that efficiency is going to be the story of the day because the Eagles have, sometimes they've been unfairly, I think, accused of sort of being lucky in terms of they're very, very accurate. Uh, so they, they get quite a lot out of, a limited number of inside 50s, but given the rate that the the Suns gave up inside 50s in round one, I think they could absolutely be on there. Look, you touched on Sexton there. Let's talk about the Gold Coast ins and outs. Uh, Obviously, we don't have teams as of yet, but we can see who is trending in the right direction, who's healthy, who's unavailable, all of that. So, look, we touched on it earlier. The Eagles, largely healthy, and I think you'd see maybe a, a bit of an unchanged lineup or close enough to since round one. The Suns, meanwhile, they'll be without Brandon Ellis, who obviously arrived from Richmond, and he had a fantastic round one game. They'll also be without David Swallow, who was suspended. Uh, but beyond that, they've actually got quite a few ins from their round one side. They've got Alex Sexton coming back. They've got Pierce Hanley. They've got Jared Harbrow most likely to play. So Harbrow, one of their best players off the half back line. Sexton, certainly their most dangerous forward. If we look at that matchup, who would you send to Alex Sexton from an Eagles defensive perspective?
1: I do like Shepard on him. I like Shepherd on him purely because it frees McGovern up to just intercept. But Rats probably can go to a taller resting rock. I think Shepard can play tall and he's capable of rebounding better than the other two. So yeah, i send Shepard to Sexton.
0: Quick enough too as well because Sexton, has got a couple of tricks. He's fairly pacey as well, you know, he can... He doesn't just lead up and get a mark, although obviously he's, he's quite good at that. He reminds me a little bit of uh, actually that mid-2010 to 2012 era Lacra, where he could get a lead-up mark, yeah. but he was also lethal crumbing and pretty creative around the ball. So Shep, not a bad shout there. Another one I thought we might consider would be Jackson Nelson, assuming he gets a game. I don't see why he wouldn't. Um, it's, it, look, it's hard to predict how they've all looked in match sim and, and how they've looked throughout the last X number of weeks in training, but... In a regular year, if last week was round one, the Melbourne game, and then we went on to this week round two, Nelson did nothing wrong. He obviously impressed in off-season to, to get selected for round one. So that could be the sort of thing where you've got no job. You don't have to worry about rebounding. You don't have to worry about getting the ball yourself and, and you know, offering something the other way. Your sole job is sit in his pocket. And don't let Alex Sexton get the ball. So I think we might see Nelson thrown on there as well, and and, and maybe Shepard as well, doing a bit of a bit of a tag team job on Sexton. At the other end of the field, squash you've got Jared Harbrow, who drives most of Gold Coast's rebounds off of the half-back, and it's an area we've seen historically the Eagles are a little bit susceptible to. When we play the likes of Essendon or the likes of Richmond and you turn it over, they can rebound very quickly off the half-back line. We have shown a willingness to tag these rebounding defenders in the past, so do you think we'll send somebody to Harbrow or we'll just try and play it straight up and just say, hey, we're the better side, we're going to go against you one-on-one and have our win?
1: Well, I think it'll be a team effort on him. I know in the past I would have said... Hutchings to him because Hutchings does like that, that halfback tagging kind of role. I um, forward, sorry. But obviously, he's injured, so we won't see that this week. A name that I wouldn't mind to see on him would be Petch because if Petch does play incredibly fast, uh, he can make Harbrow accountable going the other way, given how pacey and rebound driven Harbrow is. I wouldn't send patch to him the entire game. I think that it would be a good learning curve for him to learn how to run both ways well, to have a job and then also being able to get out the back, run through an open goal like he's shown he likes to do. So, yeah, team effort, but I think I'd like to see patch spend a lot of time on him.
0: If we turn our attention to the Eagles for a minute, the main selection dilemma, I believe, is that second ruck, it's certainly the one that I find the most fascinating. We saw the club go with Nat Nui, obviously, and Tom Hickey in round one. There was talk of Bailey Williams, although he wasn't quite ready. Uh, Oscar Allen, much the same story, had a couple of little nagging injuries throughout the preseason and perhaps didn't get up for round one uh, as the Eagles might have liked. So with that said, the Suns actually do have quite a strong ruck division. Uh, Jared Witts has been one of the better ruckmen in the league for a while and probably one of the more underrated players in the league. And they've got... Your Sam Days, they've got a couple of other talls up there. Um, not that I don't, I don't think they'll throw him in the ruck, but he certainly could take a forward 50 ruck. Is You've got your Ben Kings and the like. They have some quality talls. Squash, who do you think the Eagles will go to to back up Nat Nui? Do you think we'll see a designated ruckman like Hickey or more of a combo ruckman like an Oscar Allen, Bailey Williams type? Well, I think it's all in the shortened
1: quarters, isn't it? That um, That Nick Nat will be able to play more percentage game time just because of the shortened quarters 16 minutes I think it is um, which is why I don't think we'll see Hickey this week I think it would kind of diminish our potential advantage with the shortened quarters I would prefer to see Williams just because I like what I liked about him in the pre-season he did get a hamstring injury um, late in the preseason. so probably Allen will be the one I think that will get the gig this week yeah I'd rather Williams won't be Hickey I think Allen is good versatility because he's going to be probably that the Kennedy replacement. So it's good to just get him into the team in any position, really. He played Ruck before. He wasn't bad at it. So, yeah, I think we'll see Nat Nui and Allen lead the Ruck this week.
0: Let's take a look at some ins and outs. And look, as I touched on up top, we obviously don't have the final lists just yet at this stage in the week. But, Squash, we know the entire club is over there with the exception of Mitch O'Neill. So mostly healthy, got a mostly a full list to pick from. Uh, Based on the round one side, for myself, I think I agree with you. We'll see Hickey come out and probably, I'm going to say Oscar Allen coming in, but I would also really like to see Bailey Williams. Uh, Beyond that, I'm actually struggling to see any ins or outs from the round one side. Archie is a name that you might think, but obviously he actually played pretty solidly, if not quite well in round one. And I certainly think he did nothing to, if he earned his spot, he did nothing to drop that spot. Uh, so Archie probably stays. Nelson, I think, is likely the same. Redden was a little bit quiet, but they used him as the defensive winger a fair bit. Uh, similarly, Brander quite quiet, but they used him as the defensive winger. So maybe that's the rotation they like. Beyond that, Hickey for Allen slash Williams change. I'm struggling to find an in and out. Do you have any thoughts on perhaps a change coming from left field that we might see?
1: No, I'm looking at it at the the lineups from round one now, and I'm I'm kind of the same. I'd I would like to see Waterman in the side somehow, but I don't see that happening just cause purely because how good Archie was in round one. I think that's what they went for was the smaller forward line. But yeah, Brando was is probably going to be playing that wing role this year. They'll just bear with him even if he has bad games, which is good because he's a talent needs to stay on the side. But yeah, apart from that, I really can't see any changes, to be honest.
0: Just while we're talking about Brander and that wing roll, one thing I will say from my rewatch of the game, I noticed it... Well, I actually first noticed it because the broadcast camera showed a very, very clear image of the Eagles' whiteboard, and you could see how they'd set it up. So I paused it and had a quick read of that. But then I was looking for it throughout the rest of the game and had a look at how they used the wings. They showed a willingness to have Shuey on the attacking wing quite a lot rather than at the coal face. Now, he's finished with 27 touches. Gaff had 30 on the day. In shortened quarters, those, those are ridiculous numbers. And then you saw the likes of Kelly, Sheed, Yo on the ball. And then, as I touched on previously, you had Brander on that defensive, that red wing that they call it, and Redden much the same as well. So, for me, I just keep an eye on this week how often they use Shuey at the coalface versus how often they try and get him the ball out in space. We might see 2020 become the year less of grunt work, rip it out of the contest and go yourself, Shoey, and more of a polished get it on the outside and, and be very damaging inside 50. So with all of that said, Squash, we, we might as well get into our predictions. We've said that there's a capacity for a blowout. There's also a lot of question marks with this long layoff and the rust, home field advantage, perhaps a bit of uh, weather issues as is there as it relates to the Eagles. So from your perspective, Gold Coast versus West Coast, round two, who wins the game and by how much?
1: The mighty Eagles will, of course, win the game. I think it won't be big. It won't be small. It'll be a bit middling. It'll be a rusty affair. I'm going to go with Eagles by a 26 points.
0: And for yourself, the best eagle afield at the end of the day?
1: Andrew Gaff will thirty and two, I think.
0: Thirty and two? Yeah, shortened quarters.
1: He'll have a big game.
0: Well, he had thirty and one in the first game, and uh, if he if he elevates that and goes to thirty and two, well, look out because that is a spectacular start to a shortened season. Brownlow year, mate. Brownlow year. Love it. I love it. That is a great call. Uh, for myself, I've got yeah the Eagles. Similar sort of line of thought. Thirty four, I think. The shortened quarters make blowouts a little bit difficult. Uh, you saw a couple of big wins, or certainly teams with big percentages at the end of the year, but at the end of the round, but that was more to do with low scores conceded rather than having the time to go and kick 150, kick 170, that sort of figure. So for me, I think the Eagles will win, yeah, just by in that low 30s there, I would expect that they get a hold of the Gold Coast eventually, though they looked very rusty at the start of every quarter in round one. So how we start could be a very big factor because if we can pour on three or four goals early, it could be absolutely on. Uh, Best on ground for me, I think I touched on him earlier, Liam Ryan. He had a really nice game in round one, three goals, three. And uh, like I said, his, his gut running was terrific, albeit aided by some lackadaisical Melbourne coverage. But great runner, he's had a great gap. We've seen some fantastic match sim footage from Liam Ryan. And you also take a look at who kicked the Powers goal in that round one game against the Suns. Two goals to Marshall, who's 198 centimetres, but the rest of their goals came from mid-sized players, small forwards, all this sort of type. So, yeah, Liam Ryan getting familiar with the the wet and sort of pro-crummer condition at Metricon. Three goals, three in round one. Let's see what he can back it up with in round two. Right, well, the last thing before we go, as we all know, the off-season season this off-season specifically has given rise to the ISO haircut, that sort of quarantine beard. You know, everyone's had some downtime. They've all made some interesting fashion choices and the Eagles have been afflicted all the same, just the same as the rest of us. There's a few interesting looks going around at the moment, squash, and I thought we would finish things off today with a quick game of a new segment. We'll call it West Coast Magic or West Coast Tragic. Yeah, I
1: like the sound of it.
0: I got three haircuts for you. Three looks. All right. Uh, Now, if if you haven't seen them or for the listeners, if they've not seen them, pull up your phone, get your computer out. Just Google Josh Kennedy haircut is the first one we're going to start with. Type in the name, finish it off with haircut. I promise you, you'll see it. A couple of interesting looks returning to the fold in round two. The first one is Josh Kennedy. He's gone with sort of a shaved head, but still a, a decently long beard there. Doesn't look quite so homeless as he has in the past. Looks Looks pretty lean, looks pretty mean. Is that haircut West Coast Magic or West Coast Tragic?
1: Absolute West Coast Magic. I like it. it looks slick. He's got the streamlined old man look going on. I love it. He's keeping it all season. Coleman. Coleman, yeah. One last, Absolutely one, last Coleman, one for yeah. the road. Brownlow, yeah. Right. Um, no. Nah.
0: <laughs> we got Gaff for the Brownlow. we got Kennedy for the Coleman. It's going to be a great year. For the Eagles. I'll move on to the next haircut. Tim Kelly. He's returned. Obviously, everybody has all eyes on him. Fantastic player. But what I care more about is this slim, shady look. The blonde tips. Not really tips. Sort of just a blonde top. We've gone we've gone blonde for the top half and, and kind of shaved normal hair for the rest of his hair. Squash. The slim, shady look. West Coast magic. West Coast tragic. Well,
1: I'm going to open this with a confession. Uh I no. bleached my tips no. for a 90s party, so I'm a fan of it, because, I well, for the 90s party, I don't have it now, but I did, so... West Coast Magic, I like it. Pull in my footsteps, Kelly.
0: West Coast Magic, baby. Yeah, that's it. Was that, was that party during this or sort of in the in the week since everything's kind of opened back up? Is this a while ago? What are we talking for this no, party? No, this was the last year party. Oh, okay, a while all ago. Right. All right. I, I love the thought of people returning back to their first day of work with blonde tips and everybody just has to get on with it because you know you're not allowed to bring it up. Perfect. I all would right. wear a hat. <laughs> Tim Kelly, West Coast Magic. Uh, for me, I agree. Magic. I don't think it's for everyone. I don't think it it suits everybody. I would love to see, for example, Andrew Gaff rock up with this haircut. I think it'd be great. It's a good thing that Tim Kelly's got some runs on the board because you don't want to come into the league looking like this. But yeah, West Coast Magic, the last one for the day. It's not new. We did actually see it pre-lockdown, but definitely the most fascinating haircut of the lot for me. Liam Duggan's mullet. What is going on with that? Now, it's a throwback here. Uh, it's you, you can see it if you look at any round one clips, you'll be able to see it crystal clearly. It is not the clean-shaven future captain look that we're used to from Liam Duggan. Something's happened in the off-season that sort of riled him up and he's come back with this bad boy throwback mullet. Squash, your call. West Coast Magic or West Coast Tragic? West Coast Tragic. No good. <laughs> it's it's dirty.
1: It's filthy. It, I just hate it. I hate everything about it. Shave it off, Doug. Go the Kennedy Streamline or just bleach it. Go, the, go the, the TK bleach. Just get rid of the mullet. I hate it.
0: No good. I'll tell you one better. Just bleach the back. The very, very tips at the Ooh. back. Now, that'll be all right, Ooh. you see. Starting to look a little bit like the Eagles logo if he does that. Yeah, yeah I agree can with blow you. blow in the wind. How good. Now nah, absolutely tragic. I hated it in round one. I hated it in the preseason. I hate seeing that he's still got it. And not to be every old man yells at cloud journalist, but my God, have a haircut, man. Like, goodness mate. No good. <laughs> All right, guys, that will do it from us this week. It has been a very, very important week in WA footy with the announcement of The Hub. It's going to be a very, very important year in WA footy with the Eagles tipped to do great things. We'll see if they can get that underway in round two this Saturday, but for now, squash face your debut on the pod. Thanks very much for coming on and talking all things Eagles with us.
1: It's been a pleasure, badge Thanks for having me. I had fun.
0: Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem at all. It's been great to have you on. For the listeners, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we had some great feedback last week, actually, on the Vic Bias episode. Unsurprisingly, I think there were a, a few interested listeners that wouldn't otherwise normally listen, perhaps from the eastern states. So. Few arguments, uh Revic bias on the main board and, and on Big Footy, but look, we really appreciate you listening anyway. We appreciate any feedback, any questions. We'll get into some questions next week as well, once we've got a little bit more to dissect. But with all that said, if you can follow us on Twitter, if you want to get in contact with us on Big Footy If you want to give us some reviews, some subscriptions, some ratings on iTunes, any of that, it's always appreciated. And I promise you one day I will stop begging for them. But until then, we will wish the Eagles all the best in round two. I will say thank you very much for listening. Squashface, thanks for coming on. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye now.
1: See you later. Bye-bye.